Welcome, everybody, to episode three of Ultra Max Pro, Ultra Pro Max. It changes every week. The podcast where we talk about app development and the Apple ecosystem. You've got me, Luke, the junior developer of the bunch. And with me, as always, is your friend and mine, Joshua Wold. Howdy. Joshua Wold, the designer of the bunch. And then we've got Sadia Karbis. Man, I I rolled right out of bed and into my office chair. I have not had coffee yet. We'll see how it goes. That's beautiful. It is 2 o'clock where we are at. Sadia, what time is it where you're at again? Oh, it's 7 a.m., but I've had calls for a while now. Well, beautiful. Let's uh, let's get into the topic for today. Um, the first thing on the docket is the Arc browser. Uh, we well, f- we talk about all things iOS, OS, uh, Mac OS development, but we also talk about product design, um, product development, and kind of how all those things work together in tandem. So, the Arc browser is something that is as a browser written by the browser company in Swift, primarily for the mac ecosystem at the moment they are working on windows applications soon um josh what are your thoughts on the arc browser i i used it a little bit earlier this year i had several folks in the startup world recommend it to me as the thing to jump to and try and this is i mentioned before coming from chrome for a decade to safari (laughs) i see sadia's doing something with emojis (laughs) did you mean to do that that was like a bubble out of nowhere. I didn't even know we had that option in Zoom. All right, we'll, we'll figure that out. I wonder if it's like the face, it's the camera. If you do a thumbs down. <laughs> I noticed the other day, I was just, I was like waiting for someone to join a meeting and was on my other screen. And I look across at the other screen and there's balloons appearing in the background. Like That's another rabbit hole. Arc browser. I struggled to use the Arc browser because it has just a different paradigm. And I know this sounds old, but I'm used to my tabs being on top (laughs) and they're on the left. (laughs) And this is coming from a guy that I cannot use a Mac unless the dock is on the right. And I know some people, it has to be on the bottom. (laughs) Sadi, I know you want to say something. That's interesting. (laughs) Oh no, I hide the dock. No dock. Well, it's auto hide, but when I want to reveal it, it's got to be on the right hand side. It's always auto hidden. I don't know anybody else who does a side dock. I just, when I see a bottom dock, uh, no, no particular comment on Luke, but I'm like, oh, summer child, you don't, you don't know the way of the, the right-hand side. That's, that's a, all right. So <laughs> wait, why right-hand and not left-hand? Is there a reason for that? I use hot corners. I've been doing, using hot corners for a decade. Top right hot corner is uh, mission control. Bottom right hot corner is desktop. So just all actions related to my mouse are on the right-hand side of my, my desk. You might change the hot corner for desktop when you get Sonoma because it's, there's a really nice feature where you click on your desktop and it hides all your windows that way. I, it Which, could be annoying, but I like it. Actually, that's a, that's a future topic. I want to talk about widgets in Sonoma. Uh, so to the Arc browser, though, I just kind of struggled to use the navigational elements on the left versus the top. And I'm on a tiny little laptop screen and I wasn't getting the benefit that I thought I would. Uh, so that's just me trying it for a couple of days and realizing it wasn't quite working for me. Um, so I'll... Uh, I think it's a cool browser. I'm a little interested in some of the AI-related stuff they're dropping right now, but I don't know how it will help me. So that's me. Fair enough. Sadia, any thoughts on the Arc browser? Yeah, I used it. It took me a whole day to set up, though. Um, and I used it for two weeks. I gave it a good, solid go, and I loved it. I think it's a great browser. It's exciting. They're doing some really cool stuff, but I'm never going to use it. I'm just like two of a vanilla uh, default browser guy then. 
and I, I can't i can't go using some other browser then then i have to like get it to sync with ios and no just give me safari safari has so many good features and underrated features and and that's i just i tried it's great it does some really good things but you know old habits so you'd say it's the tab paradigm and the just the device syncing that did it for you well, no, I like I kind of like the tabs. I like a lot of what they were doing. There were some things like a scratch pad that I was like, why does this exist here? I'm never going to use it. That's annoying. But, you know, mostly it was really, really good. Except it doesn't ship by default. <laughs> so, and I know it's weird for me to sort of live by that paradigm, but I do. I'm a, and I, I like things as native as possible. But Arc is... You, you said pre-show that Arc is built in Swift. Arc is built in Swift for the Mac, but they're, yeah, so they're trying to bring out a Windows app. I think they're close, but they said that they're trying to like do something that's never been done before right in Swift for Windows. And I'm fascinated. I need to go back and actually, I should have done this before the show, but I, I'm going to go read and figure out how, what that tool stack even looks like. Sadia, do you have any idea of what that tool stack would look like? Because you've done some development in Swift. No idea. Presumably it's using like compiling to or not compiling but using c somewhere in there and swift is compiled right or is it interpreted it's compiled it's compiled so could you just write a compiler that would then just compile to whatever binary windows needs to crank this is outside of my <laughs> about my pay grade i have no idea fair enough yeah i love the arc browser i've been using it religiously since it came out i love i mean i'm an i'm a guy for aesthetics if it looks nice i'm really going to enjoy using it so that's kind of like a wishy-washy reason to use it um, for our, you know, the kind of people that we are, <laughs> but it does look nice. I, I have to just say that how it looks is incredibly important. And for me, if, if I, I will not use an app, actually I avoided using Audacity as a Mac app for editing software because of how ugly it was until I realized it was the b best option. So I fell into it, but by default, I will not choose the uglier app unless I absolutely have to. No, yeah, I'm exact same way. And you mentioned audio. That's one of the big reasons I use Logic Pro as opposed to Ableton. I don't know if you're familiar with what those two things look like, but Logic's beautiful. Ableton is like clunky, um, sharp corners, Windows XP kind of vibes. I've held off on Logic. I know we're going off the deep end here, but because I've heard it's primarily not for podcast editing it so you have to kind of make it work for podcast editing and i didn't know if i wanted to learn that that whole thing for that reason so i'd be curious how, what you like to use i have to say yeah the different spaces i i just have these different spheres of my lives that are completely independent of each other and just to have that nice aesthetic way to see all the tabs that i use for that sphere of my life popped right there the ai stuff is really cool we could go more into that but one of the big kickers um from someone that just came out of college and was writing a bunch of research papers and stuff like that for those of our college listeners they have this really cool thing called easels they're weird okay they're weird but i found a good way to use them and as you're just perusing the web web if you just hold shift command click and you can drag across the web page and essentially take a screenshot but then once you take that screenshot there's a little dialogue that pops up where you can then click the easel that you want to add that to it pops into that easel and that screenshot is a link essentially. So you can click on that link. And so when you're doing research, I'm a very visual person and it lets me lay out, okay, here's this resource and here's this article, this article, and I can lay them all out spatially on this easel, draw little text notes under them, arrows that connect them. And I can just very easily lay out what I'm trying to research across the web. And there's never been a really good way 
to lay out all my web research until this because otherwise it's like word docs where you're writing down all these links and it's just it's the worst and to put in a screenshot into a like a doc next to a link super clunky that sound what you're describing i haven't done it one of the things that i'll do and this is not for research search papers but if i'm working on a design project i'll use a massive whiteboard in this case figma or freeform and i will actually screenshot websites put them into the board so I can see it all to try and make decisions where I, I'm, I just want to see everything in one place. And what you're describing sounds a little bit like that. So that, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's essentially the same thing. And that sounds like basically the same use case, but just to have it in your browser and it's essentially another tab, that easel is another tab. It's just, it's so fluent, fluid and integrated. I love it. Let's talk about the next thing here. Uh, it's my recent obsession with 2048. And I don't know how many of our users have played this game, but it's essentially a little mobile app game that was all the craze back in, oh man, back probably six or seven, five to 10 years ago. I want to know what came first? What came first, 2048 or threes? Because threes was my introduction to this. Nine years ago was a 2024 release. I'm not even familiar with threes. A month earlier. Well, there you go. It's got, I reckon threes predated it. It's, it's the better version of 2048. It's the it's a beautiful but to your point, I've played both of these and they're really fun little games. Oh, so is threes like 2048, but it's multiples of three instead of two? Yeah, correct. Or powers of three. Oh, that breaks my programmer brain. I need everything to be in binary. That's funny. Oh, well, anyways, both games are kind of they're they're like a, it's a four by four grid, and you can swipe left, up, down, right, and that's the only um, action you have. And all the tiles will slide to the left up, you know, they'll, they'll all slide the direction you swipe. And if two tiles that are the same number slide into each other, they will become one tile that is, you know, the, the sum of those two numbers. So if you slide two, four tiles into each other, they become an eight tile and so on. And your goal is to keep sliding and sliding and sliding until you get all the way up to 2048. And then some apps knockoffs will let you go higher. Uh, but if your grid gums up and you can't swipe anymore and tiles don't go together, then you are stuck and you lose. And they add a new tile each time you swipe. So that's the gist of it. My obsession as I was playing it is I was thinking there must be, I wonder what the perfect algorithm is to play this game. I wonder if I can somehow distill my thought process while I'm playing it into an algorithm and then program it and then just watch the computer play da 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 and just watch it rack all the way up to 4096 or whatever high number you are going for. I think that would be so satisfying. All right, for context, uh, uh, do have you used the algorithm to solve Rubik's Cube? I actually I haven't done much Rubik's Cube solving. Are you a Rubik's Cube guy? I I can't. My brain cannot figure out the algorithm, and it's so simple. I've read it a half a dozen times. I've tried to process it. But it is if it's you just repeat this pattern and you will solve a Rubik's cube. And so I was curious. This sounds like a similar thing to what you're describing, which you might want to. You don't want to get by a Rubik's cube. By the way, it's a speed cube. They are way better. They're on Amazon for ten bucks. Um, so this might be a new obsession for you. <laughs> it's. It reminds me of Connect Four actually, because Connect Four is a solved game in that it has a correct move, a correct answer, and it, I can't remember. I think it's if you go first, you can learn to play Connect Four in a way that you can't lose if you go first. So I, that's interesting. I have a whole thing with this. For the most part, I don't say I would. I figured out the algorithm for Connect Four. 
but I'm the best person I've ever met who's played that. And it cracks me up because I'll sit down at a like a party with a bunch of people and I'm like, hey, anyone want to play? And they're like, oh, this stupid little game, fine. I beat them eight out of nine times. Yeah. And they get so frustrated because they don't understand there's a very simple little way that you play it. And it's it's one of those really fun party tricks to just destroy someone if they don't understand it. <laughs> the one job I had that was in an office we uh, set up a Connect Four competition. So I wrote all of this software. You know, it was my introduction to um, not React, the other one. Vue. Vue, thank you. <laughs> and it was my int- introduction to Vue. And, and I wrote all of this software for like tracking how many uh, how many wins and losses and who versus who and, you know, the ladder system and uh, tournaments, all of this sort of thing with our Connect Four. And, you know, obviously we got a lot of work done in that off. So just real quickly, is it whoever starts first, as long as you understand the pattern, you're going to win? I'm pretty sure from memory that that's right. Yeah. You know, I wonder if the algorithm changes completely if you go second or if it's the same algorithm, but you could lose. Yeah. It's like tic-tac-toe where you could tie. Yeah. So that led you into 2048, right? Are you doing this because you just want to understand logically how things work or is there uh, like an end goal for this? And it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I always like to come up with ways to practice my logic, or so to speak. Wordle was my last little obsession. I built a Wordle solver. Every you just enter in the. Did I host it? It might be hosted. Ah, maybe it's on my GitHub. Anyways, but yeah, you just enter in the the pattern via UI of what you had on Wordle, and then it spits out all the possible words from the Wordle bank, and you can just keep going, and you can solve it every single time with that. It's a, it's the biggest cheat in the world, but. It's fun. So just practicing my algorithmic logic is really fun. And 2048, I think, will be quite, quite difficult. Because even playing the game, like, I still get stuck, right? So there has to be a way. But my sister, on the other hand, she can go orders of, like, shoot, double or quadruple as far as I can. And it's, it's just a matter of her getting bored and then stopping she can just go forever so i'm like what is the algorithm like there is a there has to be a perfect because there is like a a a trick to playing the game right like you always want to get the big numbers towards the bottom left and you just snake your way around so as you as they start doubling you can then snake your way back it also reminds me of some of the things i like the algorithm uh, analysis i did in school which is uh shoot what's that what's that towers of hanoi i think are you guys familiar with that one no no, I'm going to look it up. There's three towers and then discs. And you have to move all the discs oh, yes. from one side to the yes, other. Yes, yes. And you can't I used to st- play this on Mac OS 9. <laughs> and you can't stack yeah. discs that are larger on top of smaller discs. I swear it was like built into the system or something. Like you're hitting an early childhood memory for me right here, Luke. So this actually leads into a really important part of making, well, apps, but games specifically. When you're trying to build something like this or... Do you think about the challenge versus reward part of keeping someone interested in, in an app? Because what is it, right? There's there's something that keeps someone coming back to a game. They want to keep beating it. Um, so I'm just curious if that comes into your mind when you're making something like this. Oh man, I I would yeah I think but also shoot with this I'm just I just want to beat it. I just want to have a little robot that I made that goes and is smarter than I am. But it's interest. It's an interesting game because you. The further you go, the longer it takes to get to the next level. It's like orders. It, it's a the game doubles every single time you reach an achievement. So I just wonder if the formula for the number of moves to get to each consecutive landmark is, uh, you know, man, it's been so long since I've been in school. This language is escaping me. But essentially, uh, it's like a, a two to the n uh, complexity. Can you account for the randomness of 
blocks coming in like can you pretty much always account for it and always have a perfect game is that what you're trying to design right that's what i'm trying to decide design and figure out yeah well surely the game designers have figured that out already because they're not going to push tiles that make it impossible i would think it seems pretty random though but now you're, yeah now you're getting into game theory design they also make versions of the game where you can undo a move you can like always undo one move when you go to make the move again you'll get a different random tile and I think that version of the game is beatable because sometimes you do end up with a random tile, like a four will pop up when you wish you had a two and it makes it impossible. Kind of like solitaire. It's like you can't beat every game of solitaire. It depends on the cards you're dealt. But if you can undo and keep trying until you get the tile where you want it. Could you make an algorithm for Tetris then? It's making me think about other games like this. Well, Tetris is time-based because the challenge in Tetris isn't where you put the blocks. It's how quickly. It's how much time you have. Yep. Uh, the other part of me wants to just go learn how to do machine learning and forget the algorithm. Let's just create a little machine learning algorithm and just set her loose. Can't be that hard. Everyone's doing it these days. It's actually not a bad idea. It's probably a really good project to do. Well, anyways, maybe updates on that to come in future episodes um, if it's interesting. <laughs> how do you guys handle notifications? We're going to switch gears and go on to something else. Uh, Joshua, you have some thoughts on this. How do you handle notifications? Ideally, none ever, but... I'm I'm married and my wife needs to let me know emergencies when they come up. <laughs> the way I have it handled currently, phone notifications can come in, but I'm usually on do not disturb. So if my wife calls twice in a row in two minutes, it'll come through. That's how we have it set up. And that's how what iOS provides. Text messages, zero notifications, but I'll show the badge when I open up the home screen. In practice, I'll never go more than an hour to, to see a text message. And on my Apple Watch, I see the little red dot, which tells me if a text message has come. Beyond that, I have no other notifications on any app ever. Wow, that is pretty extreme. This is Mac, iOS, Apple Watch, everything. I definitely have notifications enabled for messages. I don't think very much else. Calendar events. I will even turn those off because I keep an eye on my the events with the Apple Watch and the iPhone uh, widget. I, I always know what calendar events is going to come up next, and I don't want to be pinged about it ahead of time. Yeah, that's really interesting. I would get in lots of trouble with my wife if I did, did that, yeah. But she has she knows she can if she calls twice in a row, she can get through to me, and that beyond that, we're good. And the reason I've done this is it my deep work time, my focus, like inflow state, matters so much it's i interrupt myself so much i get distracted so easily so when i've got 10 to 60 precious minutes to work on something i do not want an external thing to come in unless it's truly an emergency because that time is so precious i'm sure you've seen the little memes of a developer's brain where you're stacking an entire tetris thing up in your head and someone asks you a single question the all the blocks fall down yep <laughs> for me it, there's some similarities as a designer it's not the same extent but i'm pulling a bunch of pieces together my brain is trying to wrestle with all this a single notification just brings that crash into the ground how about you luke i i'm i think i'm pretty standard i, I for me i just you know turn off notifica- notifications for most things uh, but except for some of those core things. Yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty distractible person as well. And so I've messed a lot with notifications over the over the years. I, I do enjoy the uh, the summary. Yes. Mostly because I can send all my notifications to it without feeling guilty that I'm going to miss something. And then I never check the summary. 
so I effectively missed them anyways. But I've been using the summary more. I use the summary for like GitHub and my robot vacuum cleaner and stuff like that. It's like, uh, yeah, it's good to know. Get rid of it. What is yeah. the summary? I feel like I've never even used this. So you essentially, all of your notifications will go to the spot, and then at uh, you can I think you can set the times when it shows up, but like at noon, and then at the end of the day, it'll say your notification summary pop up on your on your lock screen, and then you can open that and then see all the notifications. Uh, that came. You know when an app is asking permissions to show you a notification, it says allow, and then also allow in summary. That's Sometimes I'll choose, I'll almost never choose allow, but sometimes I'll choose allow in summary. Yeah. Then you get like, yeah, that one chunk, one box, and it only shows up. In, you don't get a ding. That's the, that's the main point. No ding. No, yeah. I, I turned off notifications. from. I, 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 I used to love my watch because I could get message notifications right on my wrist, but I, it eventually just got so annoying that, yeah, no notifications on my wrist whatsoever. They all go to my phone. I never feel it vibrate in my pocket. So I still let, occasionally though, I do want to know that a text is going to come in. And if I'm waiting for a notification, I think my brain is like attuned to what's happening in my pocket. So then I'll feel it. But if I'm not, then I'm not going to feel it. And it's great. So kind of that weird balance. And granted, it is different. Like if you're trying to land a job and you're waiting to hear back from a, from a potential, like there's times of your life where notifications could make a difference. But it's something that I've thought about a lot that other than, a couple of times a year, it's usually okay if you don't get something the instant it wants to come through. It's usually okay if you wait a little bit. And that's what I've been trying to train my brain to do because I already check things probably hundreds of times a day. And this is a way of trying to curb that. <laughs> yeah, I have the uh, the opposite problem. I think I will see notifications come through and I think, eh, I can respond to that later. And later becomes weeks later <laughs> so both sides of the of the same coin there on the vein of managing all the different technology in our lives password management oh nice segue josh you have some you have some thoughts on this <laughs> yeah, i tried it's a lot of a uh, podcast you got to comment when a segue has been done well i was sitting here wondering how you're gonna do it <laughs> i appreciate that i tried <laughs> I, we may have talked about this before i use one password i've used it for years and I refuse to use Safari's password manager. I'm sure Sadia may have some thoughts on this, but when it comes up, I just want to scream at it to go away because I want to manually pull stuff for one password. I don't automate it. I open that dang app every single time and I copy the password and that works just fine for my old brain. I like that. Uh, I don't, I'm either signed in or I'm not. And if I'm not, it'll take me 10 seconds to get signed in and that'll be fine. I really like 1Password. I have been curious about you switching to Apple, and I'm not opposed to it, but I've got a 1,000 passwords in there from the last decade plus. My wife and I both use that. We've both come to rely on if there's anything important in our lives with the login, we both know we can go to 1Password, and that's been a, a game changer for us where we have more security built in because of that. The, the trick, it, it, this is related to password management. I've been struggling with uh, uh, two-factor authentication when you're trying to share with a spouse. So if you've got a bank account that ha needs two-factor authentication, uh, like my wife and I have been trying to figure out, like, how do you get in when only one person's phone will get notified? So we've found some workarounds. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I am curious where you're both at. And I, I, I run into lots of friends outside of the technical space, and I... I have this moment where I realize their password management game is a standard password and they change a letter per app and they just hope for the best. I 
cannot imagine that world anymore. There's too many passwords to remember. <laughs> so that, that's me. I, I probably have some more thoughts, but I'm curious uh, where you guys both land on this. Sadia uses Apple Password. I'm betting right now. <laughs> no, actually. Crazy. I, no. I use 1Password. Yeah, I've been using it since it came out. And we use the family sharing. So we have like shared passwords and things like this. But actually, I, I really don't like 1Password. It, it was once amazing, but now it's buggy and painful. Are you referring to the big shift they took a year and a half ago away from native development toward a universal app? Or was it before then? I, I don't know when it happened, but what I do know is I run into bugs all the time, uh, and especially with like the browser extensions and it's slow and I just don't like it. So I'm going to switch. I've decided I'm going to switch to Apple passwords. There is a way of exporting all of your one password stuff out to the keychain, And it's just a man, but, but this lock-in is so such a big thing in this, isn't it? Because Man, what if I stuff it up? What if I get it wrong? What you know, like I, I don't know. I don't want to have to redo it. I don't want to make a bunch of work for myself. Anyway, the thing that stopped me from switching to Apple passwords is the family sharing. Because it is really useful to have a couple of it's not everything, but a couple of accounts that I share with, you know, my wife, my kids' Microsoft accounts, things like that. And one password has had that forever, but the iCloud password only just got it in this latest update, iOS 17, macOS Sonoma. So I think it's time. I think it's time. So wait, what's the change that happened with the iCloud password? It now has sharing. So I can share passwords with family members. Oh, I see. Keychain now has sharing, essentially. Yeah, that's weird. Like it's called Keychain Access or something, but then there's like a password section in settings. I think that they're trying to get away from the term Keychain. It's interesting seeing Apple approach this, right? Uh, where they have to solve the problem in a different way than 1Password or LastPass. May it rest in peace. <laughs> what happened to LastPass? That's what I use. Oh, you didn't hear? Wait, no. Did they get hacked? Yeah. No! It was really bad. No! It was about eight months ago. And all the people I followed at the time were like, get off. Don't, don't ever use it again. It can't be trusted, which is really unfortunate for the team. <sighs> but... Yeah, you may want to look into that. I guess that is a one hack, you're dead, huh? With yes. your password manager. And I don't think it was all data lost, but it was a certain level of data that was terrifying that it was even available to be hacked. So do they... Oh man, I have so many questions now. So they lost a... Who knows how many people's passwords, essentially. This happened in December. And it, here's an article, I'll drop it from Forbes, why you should stop using LastPass. So that, that's a pretty big deal. We'll drop it in because it's been since December. I don't remember all the details of what was actually lost or not lost. Um, but that may be worth looking at, Luke, to see if you're worried enough to stay or switch. Fascinating. So, yeah, I guess I, I have more interest in this topic now. Your boys in the market. Uh, 1Password <laughs> or Keychain or Apple Passwords. Apple Passwords is a lot cheaper, in fact. Oh, fair enough. The interesting thing that I was going to mention with Apple is they have to solve this for a billion people, right? It's a different problem to solve. And password management is incredibly hard when you talk to anyone who's not extremely technical, when you try to get their brain to wrap around that their whole family is going to be on a password manager. So I appreciate the careful steps Apple's been trying to take to juggle the security aspect of it versus the universality part of it. I have something that works for me really well, which is why I've been hesitant to switch. Uh, so that 
you might now be in the market, Luke, where you, if you're going to decide one password versus Apple, maybe it makes sense just to use Apple if you're going to go through the trouble. Yeah, I guess, you know, Apple's always been really good at encryption and security. I mean, I never really, I never fully trusted LastPass in that I never gave it my banking passwords. You know, I just figured that was the one thing that would actually be a bummer if, it, if I lost it. Really? Wow. I would, I would much rather, I'd trade my banking passwords for my Apple password. Your, your iCloud? Yeah, my Apple ID password. You must trust your bank more than us Americans do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of the, the, all right, what's the biggest single account loss for you? For me, it probably would be, I'm thinking if I lost my email, technically I, it might be my domain registrar, frankly, because my email connects through that. That would be devastating to me to lose my domain registrar. But the app, my Apple ID would be right up there. Those two would be the worst for me. What about you guys, uh, Sadia? Yeah, it's got to be Apple ID. I mean, it would be domain. Yeah, that, that would suck. That would suck. But it's recoverable. I think banking, there's a limit on how much money that can be transferred in a single day. And even if uh, some hacker got away with three days in a row, I would trade that just to not have the headache of having to worry about my email and worry about all of my logins for my computers and my entire identity. No, no, that's true. I never gave LastPass my Apple IDs either uh, because, yeah, that is your identity if you use a ton of Apple devices. That's everything. Wow. Yeah, it would be Apple ID for me as well. We are called Ultra Pro Max, so we need to talk about um, Apple products at least a little bit. Joshua, you got a new watch and you have an update for us. I, I do. Um, so yes, uh, I returned my Apple Watch Series 9 for an Ultra 2. Wow. And it came in the mail this morning. I've, I've got a couple things to talk about with it. One, I, I absolutely did not need to do this. My wife was just laughing about like, yeah, of course, this is my, my MO. I, I swap around hardware all the time and I try to figure it out like I returned iPads multiple times until I found what worked for me. I just thought, all right, if I want to have the best watch for a while, why, why, why settle? I'm going to go for the Ultra. And my phone provider had a no interest payment plan. I'm like, all right, fine, I'm going to do this. So it arrived. It's heavy and big. I went a week without a watch because I had returned my old one. And suddenly my my I, I'm feeling the, like just the weight of the watch on my wrist. So it's been interesting. But the screen is so gorgeous. The complications are amazing. If I want to type on it to take little notes, it actually works. It's it's fascinating. So I'm I think I'm gonna keep it. I have a couple of thoughts. I have an aversion to certain fabrics. It's been a thing my whole life, and there's certain polyester style fabrics that if I touch them, feel horrible to my brain. Like it's it's revolting. Unfortunately, the the wristband has one of my least favorite fabrics ever. So <laughs> I got this blue wristband and every time I touch it my brain says that's horrible. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm that's going to last, but overall this watch is fantastic. Which wristband are you using? Is it the same as me? I have a blue one. It's the blue but the blue on the Series 9 was a fantastic uh, wristband. I, I really liked it. This one is like a softer nylon or right. polyester, I guess. It just feels like it's it's um, chalk on my fingers every time I touch it. But that's a lot of trouble because you can't return a, a, a you have to return the whole watch and then wait a week or two to get a new one. So I don't know if I'll bother. I might just keep it. Wait, can't you can just buy a strap, right? You can buy yeah, a strap. just buy a new band. Yes, but if I want to get a new strap... Without oh, paying more money, yes. you have to return everything, which is fair. That makes sense. Pay more money. 
But here's what you shouldn't do. Don't go on AliExpress and buy straps from there because that's what I did with my old watch and I went in the surf, it opened and it wasn't secure enough and I lost my watch forever. That's the rest of the story. I've been wondering, I've actually thought about this probably three times since you told me, how did he lose a Apple Watch in the surf? I, the way these Velcro straps work, it's never even been, it's never come off. So, all right, you had an, a knockoff watch band. Yeah. That was a $700 mistake. Ouch. So uh, there is an interesting thing with the Series 9 and the Ultra 2, and I think it's a software thing. There's a purple flicker that happens about every third or fourth time I come to look at my watch where it flickers for a split second and then it goes to normal. But I think it's a software bug. It was driving me crazy. So we'll see if that goes away. That's weird. Yes. That shouldn't happen. Have you searched? Have you have you found an Apple bug? I, I've been looking and I've seen people with Series 9 and Ultra 2s who are both complaining about the same problem. And I've now had both. Um, so I think I just need to wait till the next update comes out. Because at this point, someone said they returned three and they still have the problem. I, I don't think it's hardware anymore, which means a software update should fix it. I've never seen it on my Series 9. So it just glitches purple when you when the screen turns on? Uh, one or two of the complications flicker purple quarter second and then they go to normal. And it's just enough to like bug me. Um, that's actually was part of my excuse for returning the Series 9. Like, ah, it's probably defective. I'll get a new one. Well, I could get an Ultra when I go to get a new one. And then same bug. <laughs> but I really like the ultra modular complication they have. It has a room for six circular complications on it along with clock and the calendar that I, so it's like, it's got a lot on here and I'm wondering if it's too much, but so I've been trying it today, having all of them on there. I'd love to compare watch faces sometime. Is that too geeky? No. That'd be fun. We, we, all right, watch faces. Um, Apple, release a new feature where you can share apps, watch screens. Apple needs to release a feature where people can design their own watch faces. It's time. Come on, Apple. It's been a decade. Just no, let, no, let, never. let good designers do it. There, there's a few that would, and I'll pay for it. I, I would love to have a well-designed Apple watch face. There should be more Apple watch faces, but it shouldn't just be open to anyone. That's crazy. Make it a special developer, blessed developers who we love. I don't know. Like, I, Apple developer program, pay a hundred bucks to get in, design a watch face. <laughs> No, it's got to be Apple choosing designers. Choose a designer. Go find a designer and go, you design that. It's it's a little indie developer that they're going to spend three months making the most gorgeous. I, I would trust them. I would trust some of these developers. Some of them. Some of them. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> so we, we need to compare complications on watches in the future along with, I want to do whole setup comparisons because I'm curious the little things you guys do versus what I do. That'll be kind of oh, fun. That's true. There's so much you can do. We could do an episode on the Mac, an episode on iOS, all of that. Yeah. Home screen layout of your phone. Oh, that would be a good one. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us again for another episode of Ultra Pro Max. Uh, this was this was episode three. Join us next week for episode four. Uh, as always, uh, you've got myself, Luke, uh, Joshua. Go ahead and sign off. Goodbye, everyone. And Sadia, the final word. See ya. <laughs> There's something about Idaho that you've got to understand. We have five and a half seasons. And uh, let me walk you through the narrative. Spring starts. Life has begun. You're happy. You're excited. You have a lovely little spring. There's still some snow. There's still fog, but you're happy. Summer comes. It's wonderful. You have a month of summer. Smoke sets in, and that kills half of the summer. And you then spend six weeks with smoke season. So that's that's the season. Fall sets in, and fall is just gorgeous. It's amazing. You're absolutely loving it. Halfway through fall, you get bug season. And for two weeks in the fall, 
a cloud of bugs descends on this valley. It's just one specific type of little fly with feathery little wings. When you run in the evening, they are everywhere. They go up your nostrils. They go into your eyeballs. They land on your shirt. And so that's that's the five and a half season. So that's right now in the evenings where I go out and run. And I've actually I've tried a mask, goggles. You forgot winter, but yeah, okay. The point is the bugs. Is bug season right now? Bug season's right now. Winter comes after this. Winter's next. <laughs> And so I have to like time it because there's a two week period where when I go out on my runs, I either have to just like try to put my hand over my mouth or, or carry a mask or whatever. There are parts of Australia where it's fly season all the time, where it's just like you, you can't open a beer or you can't hold a beer without keeping your thumb over the top constantly. And so like what I'm trying to say, this could be good for you. There are solutions out there. You need to look to Australia for solutions. I don't know. You can get this, get a swagman hat, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like a big broad brim hat with these days you just get netting. But, but back, back in the days we had little corks hanging down from strings all the, all the way around the hat. So as you turn your head, it sort of moved all these little corks. Do that. So imagine me running in my little short shorts and my running shoes and a tank top and then <laughs> My big cork swagman hat. <laughs> I'm imagining it. I love it. I'll find... We, we could at least do a Photoshop, right? Did we get all five seasons? I think so. I think I got them. So I try to tell that to people to discourage them from moving here because it is really a fantastic place. <laughs> North Idaho is so amazing. But there's a few things, a few downers. <laughs> yeah, go back to California. Your bug-free land. Bug-free haven. I like to describe it as it's eight months of winter, a month of smoke, a month of bugs and then the rest whatever i also say this as a californian i was born in california so there's that it is alarming how long it's gray and dreary up there like schweitzer is never not foggy or this is one of the ski resorts about an hour away from me sadia it's an amazing ski resort but it's cold and when you see the sun you get surprised I've never been to a ski resort before oh no it's not true i've been to a ski resort but it wasn't during ski season you... so have you gone skiing before? I have no real desire to go skiing. That's like 40% of the human experience. <laughs> have you ever been surfing? Like, yeah. is it really? Like... Body surf- surfing, not, I, have, I haven't been able to get up on a board. Yeah, I mean, I prefer body surfing just because it's less work to get there. Like, you don't have to cut a surfboard and wax and all that sort of stuff. But Do you shortboard? Me? No, I don't. I don't really ride. Uh, I don't really surf, but um, I do body surf. I know the feeling of surfing. You know, I've surfed before, and so like. Imagine that, but without the painstaking arm falling off of trying to get on the wave. You just get off a chair, and then you just shred the gnar all the way down the slopes. Just go bam, bam, bam through the soft, fluffy powder, and then like, oh, there's a rock you can jump off of. Go jump off of the rock, and then. Oh, you want to like surf through a pile of like rock obelisks? You can do that. It's called trees in the snow. And it's like this like natural <laughs> obstacle course. It's gorgeous, man. There's nothing like it. All right, Sadia, next time you come to the US, we need to time it so you could come up to Idaho in the wintertime. That would be pretty cool. I hear though that it takes like a week to learn how to ski. And so if you actually want to enjoy it, you've got to do at least two weeks. Probably right. <laughs> So that's just never going to happen. Yeah, skiing, yeah, there are plenty of people who live their entire life without even seeing the beach. I'm going to be one of those people who's happily lived his entire life without ever skiing. 